iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Oh, gosh. Right. And the fantastic thing is that we just go from now. So we're on air now. Are we on air now? We're on air off air now. We're off our honour. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Fee. Well, thank you so much. Um, I'm going to say official thank you, Fee, for holding my hand. I mean, metaphorically, yeah. over the last two hours. But your hand didn't need holding because you're a talented you didn't, you broadcasting didn't. professional. <laughs> I never once thought, oh, my goodness, even when I missed my cue because I realised that I only speak when people say, no, that's, cue Louise. That's just quite funny. <laughs> so explain that. So on the telly, yes. right, so you only speak when the director says your name. So literally... I don't know, there'll be a countdown towards the headlines and then they go, cue Louise, and you mustn't speak before you're, you mustn't speak before you're cued. And there's always like a joke because I always take my cue a bit early. So I'll probably say, I'll probably start speaking on the Z of Louise anyway. But yeah, yeah so, so that's why I didn't speak. I was thinking, I can't speak unless somebody tells, tells me, me to speak. It's like pressing a button. That is it's quite... so silly, isn't it? You are the Pavlov's... Yeah, yeah. Of Times Radio yeah. now, aren't you? Am I? And then, and then I also used to get in real trouble because that's when. So actually, actually, what I would do is I'd see. So we had the monitors below us, so we could see where we where we, when we were on the telly, and I'd see myself, and so I'd like actually cue myself. But that's a bit naughty. So, so some of the directors would go, Louise, could you actually wait for my cue? <laughs> Oh dear, a rebellious <laughs> one, Kate. Yeah, naughty. Now, how, anyway, there we go. Thank how you. How do you compare radio to television? Because I think something interesting has happened in radio over the last four or five years, which mm-hmm. is uh, we are always being filmed because obviously the socials require a visual image as well as a little bit of talking. Mm. Uh, so TV's definitely hived more towards radio. I don't suppose. No, it's the other no, way no, and both ways around. I think. Do you think in some it has? Ways. Why, why, why would TV have adopted because, more of the radio? Shtick? Well, there's fewer people in the studio than there used to be. For example, a lot of the remote cameras. Do you see what I mean? So you're sort of taking the, the people oh, out okay. of it in some ways. Yeah. Um, but what would I say? I would say yes. It's really it is because the beauty of radio used to be that you could just turn up and just, I mean, for example, I might have turned up here having just got out of a swimming pool and not dried my hair, for example, but now that's all changing, isn't it? It's just, and there's an intimacy in the non-being filmed. I find that really off-putting, that big monitor we had today. Yeah. Because it's five seconds behind as well. It's It's five seconds behind. And I think a lot of people said the same thing. And I saw my armpits. I was like, You see yourself from all kinds of angles, Louise. And like during the pandemic when everybody you know, discovered what they actually look like on Zoom 
all the time. Yeah. And I think uh, cosmetic dentistry went through the roof and, you know, bookings for hair dye appointments went through the roof as people just saw themselves and were a little bit disappointed with the visual the other, image. The other thing that happened to me, and I've mentioned anxiety dreams a lot today, haven't I? But my anxiety dream with telly used to be, and this would happen, recurring dream, always the same dream, was that I would be trying to get on air and either I'd forgotten my jacket, so I was going to have presented my bra or something ridiculous, or most worrying was that makeup weren't there. So the makeup artist was not there when I got to this, you know, in my dream. And it really, really terrorised me, that dream. And then, of course, one day, literally from one day to the next, on breakfast in front of six million people... We had no more makeup artists and I had to do it. And I looked like an absolute wreck for the first few weeks until I learned how to do telly makeup. That's so funny. That's your anxiety dream. It's gone now. The radio presenters one is oh, absolutely is about the clock. So okay. it's about looking up at the clock. And and you you pointed out today. Whenever I talk about timings, I go. She has a little, she has a little finger that goes, goes around, around the clock. The radio clock. And it's about looking up at the clock and there's seven minutes to go or eight minutes to go and, and there's n- there's no one to go to. Okay, yeah. And you've just got to fill for time, fill for time, fill for time, fill for time. Yeah, on which I can completely. Completely yeah. understand, but yeah, mine was just much more vain than that. <laughs> I well, didn't no, but have my makeup on, I wasn't going on air. But it's not vain; it's just it's just the different nature. It would just have been horrific job. for everybody. Yeah, but anyway, don't I worry about, about that, that because this is the podcast, and as yet, we're not filmed, so we are the absolute oh, glory of just chatterama without having to worry about what my armpits look like. What? Why are you worried about your armpits, by the way? But I've never. Look, it's not something I look at, and then I'm wearing a sleeveless top. <laughs> Suddenly my armpits were looming ahead of me. I might change my mind about sleeveless tops on the radio now. If you come in tomorrow in a polo yeah. neck, I'll know that Times Radio has already changed me. Damage. Uh, so we're not going to have a, um, a main guest on this podcast today because it's an opportunity to ask Louise lots of questions. Uh, and then for the rest of the week, we've got Rob Rinder coming in. Who yeah. I think you know in a in a showbiz I do way. know him because we've done a, a, an extreme challenge together. For Sport Relief, we um, went to the Namib Desert. <laughs> Love the way you look at me, Fee. Her eyes, I wish you could see them. Horror. The horror in her face. <laughs> and we, we, we did a few things. Well, we basically cycled across it on these fat, they're oh, called fat bikes. And you're they have these... so not Jane Garvey. <laughs> Okay, keep going. And then one day, one day, as you do in this big challenge, um, I mean, it was hot, obviously. It was a desert. It was 42 degrees or something. And Rob and I, and I love him for this, we ran a marathon. Well, we didn't run all the way, but we did a marathon together over 19 of the world's biggest sand dunes. And they were like mountains. So we are bonded. So you look like you're in pain. I am in pain just thinking about it. Running on sand, I mean, yeah, and that must be horrible. I love you because you ask such good questions. You have to wear these gaiters, so you had these um, so shoes, obviously trainers, and then you had these kind of like things which you attached onto your shoes. You like velcroed them so the sand hopefully didn't go into your shoes because it was burning. I mean, if you if you if you sat on the sand, it would burn you. So yeah, that was hard. And how, what was your time of I mean, there was, I mean, it took us a very long time. And the, I mean, it was one of the most incredible things I've ever done because all 
we were just on our own, the two of us, most of the time because everybody else couldn't keep up and actually only one person, other person made it. Um, and we were just... I had to do I had to do the navigation. He was like, You're in charge of navigation. I mean my my learning in navigation is pretty much zero. But I had a watch and I would go, Okay, that's the sand dune. We're gonna take this route and we just go up these incredible sand dunes completely on our own. It was utterly brilliant. Really I, properly on your own, not even a film crew with the you. The film crew, because the sand dunes are so huge and they move, so there's no roads and they were having to take these vehicles different different routes so some so maybe for like an hour at a time we would be completely on our own because they couldn't reach where we were going to get to it's brilliant did you ever feel a bit unwell no well actually <laughs> i had a horrific um sun rash do you ever get sun rash i've had very bad well, yeah i've had very very bad burns no actually. i wasn't burned but i had a horrific sun rash so that was the only thing that really made me feel ill okay yeah, but we we had so we sort of bonded as you as you would with you do something. Well, something God, like I'm that. just going to leave you and Rob to it to you know share happy <laughs> memories to, of your I'm big a bit blisters because he's I know he's trying to persuade me to do something next year with him. So and is there not a moment during one of those extreme challenges for charity where you just think you know I'll just give them my savings, just make this stop? Yeah, yeah, definitely. But then I thought I'll just carry on because I want to try and go keep hold of those savings. No, I don't. No, there are. I mean, you know, they were tough. I mean, Grimmy, um, Nicholas Grimshaw, who was with us, was really ill. He was really he got heat stroke or. Yeah, I think heat stroke. But yeah, we just kept going and we played some great music. And we were bonded by we had um, he had the music and we had, um, you know, earpods or whatever they call them. And so he'd have one in his ear, and I would have, in the, I'd have one in the other ear. And then we knew we get too too far apart if it stopped working. So we were sort of like had this umbilical cord of music between us that just kept us going. Okay, wow, it was sort of surreal. I it didn't realise it was the same trip as. Uh, as yeah, with Gary. Have you, have you talked to him about that trip? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I he, was with him. Yep, he came on the podcast, and actually, he was properly scared by it, wasn't it? <gasps> because it was a very, very, very serious form of heat exhaustion. Yes, the type that acts. Actually, yeah. your organs can fail. So. Yeah, so I was with him and we were cycling across on these fat bikes. Um, it was just Grimmy and myself, actually. And it was extremely hot. And we'd you know, been trying to drink water, etc., etc. And he was fine. And then suddenly he was not fine. He started making absolutely no sense at all. And I was like, you need to get to Grimmy and get to him now. And he was really seriously ill. Mm. Wow. Okay. Ah, anyway. We yes. survived. Well, I think you're remarkable. I mean, I watch, I watch people like you doing stuff like that, and I'll just be honest, Louise, it makes me feel sick. Just watching you makes me feel sick, and I will happily give you the money, but I just don't want to see... That's why there's some people like me. But celebrities you be... in pain. I can't you don't watch want to it see anymore, it. no. I, f- I find it quite strange, actually. Um, I'm not averse to fitness myself, and mm-hmm. I do lots of swimming and stuff like that, but that really incredible endurance stuff that that you do because I know that I can't do it myself I find it almost painful to watch other people because I think I have that underlying anxiety that I'm I would be the Nick Grimshaw in that set of circumstances yes yeah. I mean you don't want to get seriously ill but so, I bet you're much more capable than you think you are no you? I'm really not and and I don't well, we need I'm, I'm gonna have to try and prove this no I'm very point. I'm <laughs> very very happy to give away my savings very very happy indeed this is yeah. what they do isn't it because people just go okay give, we'll give you the money you yes. go do it <laughs> yeah 
No, and that's me. Hands up to that. Uh, right, we've got loads and loads of uh, lovely emails. I'll tell you what we're going to do, actually. Over the course of the week, uh, we are going to talk to Louise about loads of things. Uh, Louise has got her own book out at the moment called Fearless Adventures with Extraordinary Women. And there's a really fantastic story uh, behind you wanting to write such a book. So we're going to talk about mm-hmm. that as the week progresses. Uh, we've also hopefully got some delicious behind-the-scenes stuff from I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, uh, which I'll you have did... to think carefully what I'm allowed to say, given that I signed a contract. You signed the, the NDA? <laughs> yes, yep. exactly. OK, well, I will poke around. Okay, I will use my very best podcast pliers okay. on you. And we'll see what we can get. Uh, So we've got that to talk about too. We'll do best and worst times from the BBC breakfast sofa as well. Oh, gosh. At least I'm getting time to prepare. Yep. Okay. And any questions from our listeners too. It's Mm -hmm. the same address. It's Jane and Fee at times.radio. All of the usual stuff carries on. And actually, can I just do a very quick parish notice first? Uh, because we've just started a book club. I know, I heard that. Yeah. And people our, have already read the book. Well, quite a few people have because it is Valerie Perrin's book, mm-hmm. uh, Water for Flowers. There are lots of different translations of it, actually, because obviously she writes in French. So I think the one that I've got is Fresh Water for Flowers. Okay. But I think in other translations it might not be that. So that's the book that we're reading. It was recommended to us by a listener. And that is going to be the USP of our podcast book club that our listeners tell us what they'd like us to read. I think it's a brilliant idea. Us doing that. You've just chaired the Women's Prize for Fiction, yes, haven't you? Yes, I have. And Barbara Kingsolver won with Demon Copperhead. I actually, I mean, I loved all the books on our shortlist and I think there's so many different, you know, if you read, you should really, if you can have time, read the whole shortlist because they're fantastic. Everything from Pod, which is told from the point of view of a spinner dolphin, uh, to Fire Rush, which is wonderful. It's about young women growing up in London in 1970s, young black women. They're brilliant, brilliant books. Did it slightly take away your natural desire and enjoyment of reading fiction? Because as the chair of judges, you have mm. to read a lot. It was a lot of reading. It, In fact, it was a brilliant journey for me back to reading because I found working on breakfast, and I don't know what you're what your reading's like, but I had this sort of ever-growing pile of books I wanted to finish because I'd be very lucky interviewing an amazing author but could never quite finish the book um so on this I have read read a lot and finished a lot of books and I'm just like oh how exciting to go back and be a reader again and I am I'm reading so much at the moment it's really fun Mm, that's really good Mm. I mean that's exactly what it should do yes and it's probably speeded up my reading too I bet, yeah. Uh, Okie dokie. So uh, Valerie Perrin's book is called Water for Flowers. You can read it in the original in French. I think it was in 2020 uh, on the Italian bestsellers list as well. I know it's huge across Italy too. So I hope you enjoy it. I'm about 50 pages into it. Uh, I am really loving it. Now I've got into the stride of a very different type of prose, which is quite kind of uh, light and almost feels a bit inconsequential. So it's not as yet, Mm -hmm. a really kind of plot-driven book. It feels very much like uh, just thoughts from the narrator. But I think from what other people have said that a very good emotional 
plot Excellent. emerges. Okay, I'll put it on my list as well. So I'm enjoying it hugely. Uh, this one comes from Nick, who says, thank you for the book club, and Water for Flowers is a great first choice. She's having a similar experience at the outset. I was a little dubious. The book started with what felt like a series of vignettes to introduce the characters and narrative. Uh, it was good, but I wasn't relishing almost 500 pages. However, the deeper we dug... The more I fell for this incredible book, and as the plot gets going, the strands start to smartly weave together, and the overall picture feels like a jigsaw being revealed. Uh, and Nick goes on to say, I'd love it if we could veer towards crime fiction at some point. And do you know what, Nick? That's exactly what we're going to do next. This isn't. Yes. Excellent. But I won't tell you who we're doing because it'll start to get okay. really confusing. So join in with that if you can. Right, you've been through our email. I've inbox. been through your emails. You Where am I going to start? I'm going to start with um, this is about you two. Uh, Jane and Fee, today on the podcast, Fee described your book tour appearance at Ali Pali as your worst night. <laughs> oh, I heard that right. This person, Elizabeth, says, that was quite a shock to hear. Not only was I in the audience that night, but I also live in Ali Pali. So to think you had your worst night in my hood was very disappointing. I have seen you live on three occasions and enjoyed each time. Yours, quite slighted. Well, I don't mean slight anybody. So in saying that, I meant that Jane and I just weren't very good that <laughs> night because it was one of the first shows that we did uh, and we didn't really know what the audience wanted from us because mm -hmm. although we'd done lots of radio programmes... You hadn't had the live audience. No, okay. and we, we'd written a book together, but we didn't really know why people would come and see us. <laughs> so it's not that the audience wasn't great or the venue wasn't great, because the venue's extraordinary, actually. It was more that Jane and I just really were a bit bewildered as to um, what we needed to do. So I think we both felt that we didn't really do the night justice okay so the slight's kind of on us it's really not on you okay good I, I think she'll feel better about that but yeah she'll feel better and we did we still got we got to the end of our tour and that's a phrase that did neither, you, neither <laughs> of us thought we'd ever did say. you know what you were doing then and no, what the audience wanted not a clue but <laughs> it's we, clearly working we were fee. having a great time exactly yeah. i think that's what they want yeah uh, somebody else says I'm, I'm listening lying on a beach in corfu listening to you both i'm laughing out loud that's what they want that's all they want as you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Uh, right, uh, this one comes from Pippa, who says, I came across a meme this morning that adds an extra layer to the new Barbie film. We've got really stuck on Barbies and Cindy's. The film poster slogan, she's everything, he's just Ken, has had an unfortunate translation on the French poster, as Ken is apparently a French slang term for fornication. So for the French poster, the slogan reads, she's everything, he just knows how to fornicate. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, I think probably in some games people have played, that's pretty much it. Well, Ken does. Yeah. Best. Um, I like this. I love, I love stories of, of thank yous, like post, you know, something happens and you never get to thank the person. Yes. This is from Kathleen. Um, I want to say a big belated thank you to a very lovely lady who helped me out in the morning of Wednesday to 21st of June. I was out running, fell flat on my face in the middle of the road, brackets, proof that exercise isn't good for us. She didn't write that. I mean, you didn't write that. She did. Yeah. <laughs> okay. A very kind woman called Josie pulled over to see how I was and gave me a lift home as I was a bit shaken and bashed up. Nothing broken, but I've got one hell of a shiner and attractively grazed cheek, chin, shoulder, hands and knees. I feel this pain, Kathleen. Um, I was in Hitchin in Hertfordshire and she was on her way to the station. If she's listening or if anyone who knows her is, please can I say a huge thank you. She helped me out and I'm very grateful. I've had lots of people help me out having fallen over off my bike, fallen over running, all sorts of things. So thank you to all those people who have. There was one in London way back and I fell off my bike really badly and I thought it was fine. And I got up and these people stopped me like, you must get in a cab. And I'm like, I'm fine. No, they put me in a cab and sent me home with my bike. What, because you were so ripped apart? Yeah, knees and stuff, yeah. Okay. And then recently somebody... Some... I'm very worried about you. <laughs> my knees don't look good, that's for sure. And recently, yeah, training for the London Marathon, I did it again. I fell over. And what happens in the marathon if you, if you fall over? Oh, I didn't fall over there, thankfully. Oh, okay. Because I'd be super embarrassed. But if somebody did and yeah. they caused a bit of a pile-up, yeah. would everybody genuinely be nice about it? Or would some I people would be. be a bit ticky? Oh, I think some, well, it depends where you are at the, at, the, what, okay. at the front of the race or the back. I would, I'd help them because then I'd think, that gives me a breather. Yeah, that's true. What's your best ever marathon time? Oh, not good. Like what, not good? Oh, no, really not good. Um, I run them very slowly. I think about five and a half hours. Oh, okay. Yeah. And that's for, is it 26 miles? 26.2. Okay. Right, I feel much better. Yeah, there you go. I don't normally say to be my time because, A, I don't, want to, I don't want to put people off, but also, I mean, it is rubbish. I mean, it's not rubbish. I ran a marathon. Yes, no, it's not rubbish at all. No, but I don't, I don't yeah, anyway, yeah. there okay. we go. You can do it. Yeah. Can we just Come say on, hello to... No, I'm never going to do that. Don't, oh, no, don't be ridiculous. Uh, no. Uh, uh, can we just say a very big hello to Hitchin in Hertfordshire, which is just one of those really weird ley lines of our podcast. It comes up all the time. My my, my aunt lives there. Oh, spooky. <laughs> so it's that and Crosby in Liverpool. Where I haven't got a connection to Crosby. All roads lead back to Liverpool, usually on the podcast, but they go via Hitchin sometimes. So right, we okay. just say very good so evening to Hitchin. Wow, hello Hitchin. Yep. Uh, now this uh, tickled my fancy. It comes from Diana, uh, who says, hello, it's me again. Uh, responding to Fee's comment about the Hampshire Chronicle and its ads on the front page. I went to work for the Chronicle in 1991. Ads had just come off the front page. So the Hampshire Chronicle had all of the agricultural prices on as the front, its front page. page. And then obviously you had to open the paper to get to other news. And it was like that for, uh, you know, Longer than I think most people would imagine uh, a newspaper would be. Wow. So we were talking about that the other week. Uh, and Diana says, ads had just come off the front page then and the printing, which used to happen with hot metal on the ground floor, had just ceased. We still had rows of typesetters on the first floor, 
All men, obviously, doing a highly paid job needing no physical strength. They sat almost inside the machine on integral benches. The editor and owner of the independent Hampshire Chronicle was Monica Woodhouse. She inherited both roles from her father. Known as Mother, she was formidable and much admired. And Diana now works in Times Towers. So that's spooky. Uh, did I you was, work on the Hampshire Chronicle? As no, well? I didn't. Just, but I used to, I, I just used to love reading it. I think it was, uh, you know, it was it was a great local newspaper. And we were talking about the demise of the local newspaper, and it's easy to really disappear down a kind of um, a, a nonsense of cliches mm-hmm. about local newspapers being incredibly important when sometimes. You know, they are not filled with the most important news of the day, but they're still very much loved and a really essential part of a local community. And the Hampshire Chronicle was a great, great paper. I mean, it didn't have the nonsense of the cliche in it. It it covered everything brilliantly. I remember being super impressed by it, and also because it was a big newspaper. Really? It, it, wasn't, it wasn't like the... Tab, the like a tabloid. Like a tabloid. It wasn't a gazette. A gazette. It was that what it a is? chronicle. Louise and I loved it. I mean, I like I loved local radio, so that yeah. was that was and that, and I did all the cliches there. I, oh, you know, what was I, your best? Ever? My best one, I think, was like was two ducks being stolen off a small pond. I think. I mean, terrible story. I think they came back and everything because obviously we probably wouldn't have covered if it if it hadn't been a good news story. But yeah, all those brilliant stories. I loved local radio. Okay, uh, mine was the uh, the fact that Northamptonshire churchyards had more types of lichen in them than any other churchyard <laughs> in the east of England. I love that so specific. I was on it. <laughs> Uh, dearest Jane, but I'm going to read this out anyway because I need to ask you about this because otherwise we might not be able to be friends. Oh no! Uh, with regards it? to the archers, I think Stella is playing the long game. I'm sure she's planning to take over it's the bad. farm. It's going to be bad. This she's screaming behind the scenes to kick out Brian and Adam and solely take over the farm. That's what I think. Anyway, now you see that to me is a word salad. I don't understand any of it. Do you listen to the archers? No. Right. We're still friends, aren't we? Booker forever. <laughs> Book this woman forever. I just. <laughs> no, I don't no, want to start a no, no, deluge. Let's not, people. Let's just be. We'll just move on. Did it, should we just pretend we didn't even mention it? Yes, could we? Okay. Uh, could we? Could we just talk a tiny bit about your pets? As yes, well? go on. The guy. Lo- I mean, this yeah. this could be a long conversation. So, you've got four. Yes. I've got five. Yes. I'm not, it's not being one up my shit, by the way, at all. It sounded a bit it's like sorry, that. it wasn't meant like that. Actually, didn't it? It's put me in my place. It's only I'm my so, name. I'm so sorry. That's <laughs> yes, okay. So, I mean, four's a lot. <laughs> now you have a backtrack on it now. Oh, God, it's too late. For five and a half hours <laughs> or a marathon. three. Right, so you've got five pets. Five pets. What you got? Should we start with small? Yes. Bumble, who is a rabbit. Lovely. Um, who is about, I mean, she's ancient. She's about nine. I don't know how long rabbits can, I mean, anybody could tell me how long rabbits might live. That would be great. Big rabbit, floppy ears. She's about, I mean, how big is that? I don't know, the size of a mango. Is that a mango? Or no. maybe a melon. A melon. A melon. <laughs> Definitely. She's, and she's she's fluffy and she's she's uh, white with grey bits and she she lives she lives a feral life. She, we used to, we used to, she used to live in like a sort of little yard, right? She doesn't even live in a cage. She then lived in a yard. And then we decided that she lost her friend, that we'd let her out. 
because, you know, there's a whole wide world out there to explore. And she does. And she just goes outside and at night we call her and she comes back again. But you must... Do you live in quite a rural place? Yeah, it's a rural environment. So isn't that a bit hazardous? I mean, you must have foxes and badgers and all kinds I don't know. She's... she's, I mean, I don't want to jinx it. She's survived years doing this. It's unbelievable. I think the worst thing is that people come and knock on the door and go, there's a rabbit on the outside on the grass. And we're like, yeah, we know that. She's just... We just let her out because she never goes very far. No. No. So there's a rabbit, and then we've got two dogs, uh, Labradors called Waffle and Ruby, who are gorgeous. And then we've got the two mini Shetland rescue ponies who are probably the show stealer. Would yeah. that be fair? That would be fair because you have shown me pictures of your two little Shetland ponies, and they are just so. I mean, can anyone not have a reaction of wonder, love? Gooiness. Well, some people, some people go mini Shetlands. They're so bad. My my ponies are not bad at all. They're absolutely adorable. So they are they're rescue ponies. So from what we know about them, um, they came. You know, they had they'd had a hard life. So Muffin, who's this beautiful black Belwell pony, he's absolutely gorgeous. So when he first arrived, he if you put him on any sort of concrete, he would like walk. He'd walk around in circles. So I think he'd been kept in an enclosed space with no grass, and he'd attack dogs, which was obviously a bit worrying given that we had at that point one dog um, and then Holly had obviously been hit as well so she, you couldn't hardly touch her, you couldn't put a halter on her or anything and she was really aggressive around food anyway they have completely changed Holly is the like the sweetest thing, she comes up, as soon as I go into the field she comes up and sort of gets snuffles um, Muffin has so we got a nice <laughs> it's so mad isn't it so we got Ruby the Labrador puppy <laughs> No, Louise, it's really normal. <laughs> anyway, Muffin now loves dogs so much so that Ruby will lie on her back and Muffin literally tickles her tummy. Oh, okay. Honestly, they're just they're absolute superstars. And there's something about horses, mini horses, that they're just, if you're ever in a any kind of stressful mood or whatever it is, you just go and spend some time with them and life just feels like a happier place. I bet. I love I bet. them. Yeah. Do you want me to send you? Do you want me to lend them to you? Well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure they'd work with my pet combo. Yeah, because you got the dogs and, and, the... and a lot of cats. Well, right. three cats. Three yeah, cats. And the, and the two, Brian and Barbara, are, little, are still a little bit skittish. And, oh, yeah, and they might. Kidney. Yeah, that might not go well. So I don't think that would work. But I later on in life, I'm very much hoping uh, to have a couple of alpacas. No, I know mini Shetlands. You They're immediately so... said no to, but I, there's something so bonkers about... Because the alpaca, to me anyway, it looks like the English camel. They've got those lovely, lovely big eyes and slightly kind of smiley faces, and I'd love some, but I definitely, definitely... I've got a very sounds... small town garden, so, so that's not, not yet. Now. It sounds ridiculous, but I do... You know, I really... They are really different, these two ponies. They've really changed over the years, and then they're, they're, they're sort of like celebrities in the village because people come specially to feed... I mean, they're so spoiled. They get fed carrots all the time. I'm thinking maybe I should put a sign up saying, don't feed them. What do you think, everybody? Should I put that sign up? Are carrots bad for my ponies? Well, we've got a lot of vets who listen to Have the you? podcast, so they can definitely... They'll be horrif- I bet they'll be horrified. Uh, can I make one of our fantastic gear changes, as we have you here all week? Uh, and can we end the podcast with just um, a brief explanation of what triggered you to write your book about fearless women? Because it's actually... It's a, it's a serious thing that got you started, isn't it? And it is... 
I think, relevant to the news that we were following last week about the submersible carrying mm. the explorers, who were all men mm-hmm. uh, and obviously were very rich men who had decided that the darkest depths of the ocean somehow called to their exploring side. And we know the outcome of the story, which is Mm. just tragic for the families. But why did you want to write only about women? Okay, so I'll try and do it briefly because, and triggered is the right word. So at the BBC, and I've written about it in the book, um, I had gone through two really important battles. One was equal pay, along with very many other women at the BBC, and your lovely, esteemed colleague, Jane Garvey, was very much part of the whole getting that change, that we that I should be paid the same as... I mean, laughing, it's not funny, is it? The same as the person who sat next to me. And then the other battle I'd had was about when we went on air, who should do the first interview, the first say hello, intro the programme, be in charge. And I'd noticed that 90... Well, 90-something percent of the time, that was not me, even though I was the most experienced person doing that. So I got that change. That wasn't easy to do, but that was changed. And then, because I'm really interested, and you've heard in this podcast, about stories of adventure and endurance and being intrepid and being courageous... And I suddenly noticed that every single time we talked about those stories and celebrated them and they made the headlines, it was always a man. And I just thought, is it that women are not climbing the highest mountains or running the furthest distances or challenging themselves? Or is it that we don't hear from them and celebrate their stories? And the book is the answer to that question. Of course, there are amazing women out there doing incredible things. And I think we need to hear their stories. I think we need to hear their stories for lots of different reasons. Not least, the one thing I've learned from the women in this book, and there are 18 of them, and you, every time I mention it, everybody's like, have you got this person, that person, the other person? I mean, the point is, there are so many people who should be, be in it. One of the main things I learned from them is they do these incredible things, but they, they are not gung-ho. They take their safety and other people's safety very, very seriously and they plan, and they do this because they love it, not because they want headlines and not because they're reckless. Anyway, that's a long answer to a rather shorter question, but I wanted to do this because I think we, as women, need heroes who look like us, that we can relate to. Sophie, you will be inspired, having read this book, to do something amazing with me, okay? Yes. It may not be free diving under ice. Oh, good God, no. (laughs) But there's something... That we yeah. can do. So I'm going to really enjoy reading this book. And also, I think it answers a question which has been niggling away at me a little bit, actually, over, you know, probably the last couple of years, mm. which is just that assumption that can be made about the difference between men and women. So in the exploring field, it is, I think, uh, too easy to say that women don't want to jeopardise their lives to push themselves to a physical limit or a geographical limit or a historical they limit. They do. And they do, don't they? They do, but we don't hear about it. But that's such an important thing to hear, isn't it? Because otherwise you go down that gender rabbit hole of attributing something to men that they don't deserve no. to have, which is as damaging when you say that women don't have something that men have. So I'm delighted to read they this re- book. They really do. And they're, uh, they're all extraordinary in different ways. But for example, there's um, a lady in there called Mimi Anderson, who is one of the world's most successful endurance runners okay and she's british 
we should know, you know, we should all know her name, and we don't. Another one called Kath Pendleton, who, and there's a brilliant documentary actually. She's called The Mirth and Mermaid about her, and she has she swam the first up mile in the Antarctic Circle without a wetsuit. Utterly brilliant. So women are doing it, and we need to find those stories and amplify their voices I think. Yeah I agree Okay so so much to hear from you about. <gasps> Sorry I mean gosh everybody you must week. be exhausted. I tell you what reading my book is quite tiring. Okay <laughs> I, If you're going to read it tonight <laughs> well, just prepare it's, I don't there's think a lot that, of stuff in there. I don't think that's the quote they should use on the cover <laughs> No but I, I What did equally... Judy Murray say? She said prepare to be blown away mm. yeah uh but equally uh i think we should all dive into it and find out a little bit more so we will talk more over the week jane and fee at timestock radio is our email address and louise is here until thursday all of the usual things that you'd like to talk about we're really really happy to carry on talking about that and if you are interested in pumpkin seeds i was going to mention that i'm interested in that yep yep uh, which was a listener's suggestion. I think originally we were talking about UTIs, weren't we? Urinary tract infections and asking whether or not cranberries, uh, this kind of mythical property helped. of cranberries actually helped. This then turned into a scientific survey of one uh, with a listener who reported that her stress incontinence had really gone away through eating a handful of cranberries and pumpkin seeds every day. So we've got a doctor on the programme tomorrow. Good. We will report back on the actual medical findings. But we really love hearing first-person experiences on this podcast. Way more than fact, actually. So do keep <laughs> we can, coming We'll go and find those somewhere else, shall yeah. we, and then bring them back. Yeah, we will. Right, have a lovely evening, everybody. See you tomorrow. VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com